Well, good evening, everybody. Happy Palm Sunday. Thanks. That's my kid. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for being with us this evening at the table. My name's Maggie Keller. I'm on staff here. Well, there are a few ways to get involved this week, which we traditionally call Holy Week. We're just kicking things off tonight. So we've got Palm Sunday today. On Wednesday, we're going to do the very last of our Lenten midweek on Facebook Live. That's at 8 p.m. You can tune in there. There's been some great discussion there these last few weeks. So catch the last one this Wednesday at 8. And then we'd invite you to be back with us in person right here in the sanctuary at 9 p.m. on Friday as we celebrate Good Friday together. That service is... Um, contemplative. It's a space for reflection. And I think even just to sit in the heaviness. And due to those themes and those topics, we'll be walking through the last uh, few days of Jesus' life. So parents, we do strongly urge you to use uh, discretion about whether or not you bring your kids to that service. If I were giving it a rating, I think I would probably rate it PG-13. Does that sound about right? Yeah. So it's at 9 p.m. on Friday, but uh, the heaviness that we sit in, even the silence that we leave in, I think that that makes the joy of Sunday, the resurrection, all the sweeter. So we are pulling out all the stops. We've got family-friendly activities on Sunday, so we're celebrating Easter together at this time, 5 p.m. next Sunday right here, and we will be all together. Kids will have some activities for you to do as you sit with your families and worship, and then afterwards, we've got the Easter egg hunt. We're so excited for the return of the Easter egg hunt, also the return of the hot ham and cheese sandwiches. Those will be after the service. So plan to stick around after Easter. You can hang out. We'll be just celebrating. It is like one of my favorite Sundays of the year. So we can't wait to see you all back here next Sunday at 5 p.m. Parents, if you want to get this on your calendars, not next Sunday, which is Easter, but the Sunday after that, immediately following the service, we're going to have a little circle up with Pastor Stephanie. Um, if you haven't had a chance to meet her yet, she'll be giving an update about what they've been getting up to in kids, um, in the Table Kids program, and, and also a chance for you to ask questions. We are, we make no bones about it. We cannot do this without you. It's a collaborative effort. So parents, we would love if you would make that a priority. And I should say, it's parents, it's grandparents, it's guardians. It's anybody who's got a kid in the Table Kids program. We would love to see you there. And we'll keep it to a half hour. It'll be after the service on Sunday the 24th. Thank you for writing down all those details. Elise, I saw that. That was awesome. But if you're not as organized as Elise and you're not writing down all the details, don't worry because I send you a not annoying amount of text messages letting you know about what's coming up, what time, where it's all at. And if you're not on that list and you would like to get those updates, you can text the word table to 33222 and I will make sure you stay in the know. Last up, uh, we are grateful for those of you who are backing us financially. You've donated. You're invested in what's happening here. We couldn't do this without you. So thank you for that. Lots of ways to give. You can go online to thetablempls.com. And we have a box. And it looks like it's in the back of the sanctuary this week. So you can find that there on your way out. But we are grateful for your generosity. Okay, Stephanie, it's all you. It's time for Palm Sunday. It's not all me. It's all Yes, that's right. Yeah, I know. Hello. Come on up. Even even if you have no idea what we're doing and you're a kid, come on up anyway. You're 
such an important part of the story. All right, so friends, we need to tell a very, very important story today because our families and friends out here need to hear this story. As Miss Maggie just said, this is the beginning of Holy Week, and it's the beginning probably of the most important week of the year and the most important part of Jesus' story. So we are needed to tell the story so that they don't forget. Are you, are you with me? Yes, awesome. So what your job is going to be is when I say something and I point at you, I want you to stand up and do the thing I say. Does that make sense? If I point at you, just do the thing I say. And and you'll you'll figure it out. You'll be you'll you'll catch on, I promise. So when I point to you, stand up. This is a story about Jesus. Here's Jesus. And Jesus and his disciples, Jesus and his disciples were doing, they were together, they were preparing themselves, and Jesus said, friends, I need to go to Jerusalem. Jesus had very important things to do and needed to celebrate Passover there. And so Jesus said to his friends, will you come with me? And they said, sure. Of course, they were excited because Passover is an amazing holiday. There's really good food and a wonderful story that Passover celebrates. It's about the exodus of God's people, the Israelites from Egypt. They get so excited to be with good friends and family at Passover. So Jesus and his friends got ready to go to Jerusalem. And when they got close to the city, Jesus said, I would like two of you, I would like two of you to go borrow a donkey in the next village. Please tell the owner I need it, he'll understand. Yes, and so they went, and Jesus went to wait for them. And the rest of the city of Jerusalem were waiting to celebrate. They were super excited. Can I have that bag? And this time of year and the place that they lived, there were palm trees everywhere. It was amazing how many palm trees there were. And sometimes the leaves fell off. The palms fell off. Can you hand everybody palms? All of our little friends palms here. And you know what? We can hand our big friends palms, too. This is an important story that we need to tell everybody. You want to hand some palms to people? We got lots of them. If, we, if you need more, we can give them to, to our friends. So hand it to anybody you want to. You can give this one to your mom. Because this is the crowd on the way to Jerusalem. This is a really, really important day, and I know that the grown-ups want to be part of it, too. So, I have a who wants to ask. It's on my microphone. Who wants to give, give some more of them out? You want to give the rest of them out to people? Awesome. Yay, great. Awesome. Awesome. 
And suddenly, all of the people, all of the people were part of a parade. They were singing and shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Here comes God's King! And Jesus came into town on the donkey, and they cheered. Woo! Here comes Jesus. They threw the branches down on the ground and welcomed him. It was like a carpet of branches as Jesus came into town. They made a little room so that he, he and his donkey could make it up to the front. Watch out for Jesus and the donkey. Very nice. And they gave him a royal welcome, and they said, Hooray! But there were some people who did not say hooray. They were very concerned. Jesus was a king, and that made them nervous. Hey, Jesus, can you turn around and face everybody? into the stable over here. Jesus was a king of peace, but not everybody understood that. Some of the religious leaders were worried, and they thought the crowd was too loud, and they covered their ears, and they said, boo, boo. And they said, who is that man? What is going on here? But the crowd said, this is God's king. He has come to save us. But those leaders said, hush, Jesus. Tell your friends to be quiet. But Jesus said, we can try to make these people quiet. But it wouldn't matter. Because today, the whole earth is celebrating. Hosanna! Hosanna! The end. <laughs> and I would like to invite our friends to go find their teachers in the back of the room, and I'll meet you downstairs. Well, hi, everyone. I guess we don't need a sermon tonight. That was pretty good. That was awesome. Stephanie and team, thank you. You told the story in such a beautiful way. I love it. I might be telling it in just a slightly different way tonight. I'm Debbie Manning, one of the pastors here at the table. And you know what? It is Palm Sunday. And you guys know, because I figured today as I was um, going over my message, um, I think I almost always, at least for the last four or five years, probably preach on Palm Sunday. So most of you who've been around know that I love a parade because I tell you about it every year, how much I love a parade. But there's truth in that, and I've missed parades because with COVID, we haven't had a lot of parades, have we? And one of the places I love a parade is our annual trip to the state fair. 
So you can find me around 2 p.m. on Dan, ha Dan Patch Avenue and uh, right across from the food buildings waiting for that parade because I am that person with my kids rolling their eyes going, I, I love a parade and the band starts up and, and I, my heart starts to race and honestly I tear up every time. I just love a marching band. But this Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry is what we call it, is far bigger than that. We also call it the Passion Sunday because this week we refer to it as the Passion. And that comes from an old Latin word that means suffering and enduring. And the idea that Jesus is suffering and death reveals God's love to us and to the world. And, you know, I don't know that any of us really fully understand that. And then it's a little hard to even embrace it. Because here's the deal. The week starts out with shouting, right? Hosanna, Hosanna, and waving palms. And, and further on to the week, that same crowd is yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And after that, Jesus is killed. He hangs on a cross. He breathes his last breath. That's a lot to get your head around. So from the triumphal entry to Jesus' death on Friday, a whole lot of stuff happens. Jesus is denied, he's arrested, he's tried, he's denied again, he's sentenced, he's tortured, he's humiliated, he's killed, he's crucified, he's buried. And therein lies, I think, the challenge, maybe an invitation into Holy Week. Because it's the in-between part that sometimes I think we as a church, we kind of like to skip over, don't we? I don't know about you, but growing up, we sort of went to Palm Sunday and waving our palms to celebrating Easter. But you cannot get to the Good Friday, you cannot get to the crucifixion, you cannot get to Easter without the stuff that's in between. And the challenge in that is that so much of that, the pain and the suffering is so close to life. It hits home for a lot of us. And if we really understand what it means for Jesus to be Messiah and what triumph really looks like, we might have second thoughts about jumping in on that parade. We might think twice about putting our cloaks down and waving the palm trees. But maybe there's an invitation in that for us. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. You know, Palm Sunday is a story that if you grew up in the church, we all know about that, right? Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. They told the story so beautifully up here. The crowd is singing and they're waving branches. And it's a victory parade. It's a victory parade because the long-awaited Messiah, the prophesied king of the Jews, has come. Has come to save, to turn things around. But it's much more than a victory parade. Because the political and historical truth in this is that it was dangerous. Tensions were high. On one side of the city enters Pontius Pilate in a power move, and on the other side from the east comes Jesus. He has two disciples that go into town, borrow a donkey, lay a cloak on it. He sits down, and the triumphal entry into Jerusalem begins. And we're in the book of Luke tonight. As he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road, and he was drawing near. Already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they'd seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if they're silent, the very stones would cry out. You know, Luke's version of this moment, I'm going to do this. I can hear myself clicking, and I bet it's too close. What do you think, Christian? Um, Luke's version of this gospel account is different than any of the other gospel accounts. Because while Luke says they laid their, their cloaks down, notice he never mentions palms or branches. And while Luke's, Luke's crowd is singing and praising God, he never mentions Hosanna. And Luke is the only gospel account that talks about Jesus looking at the city and weeping. And that's the very next verse. And here we go. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Triumphal entry or tearful entry? It's certainly a different account of the story that I was brought up on. Luke doesn't describe it in the way the other gospel accounts does. And what was it? What was it that Jesus saw and made him weep? I think that's an important question for us. Because when he looked at Jerusalem, he didn't just see the city. He saw the condition of the city, the condition of the people. He saw their future. He looked into the heart of God's people, and he wept. He knew it was coming. I mean, we know as we look ahead that, you know, in 70 A.D., some decades later, Jerusalem, the temple are destroyed, people are killed. He saw that. He knew that was coming. But Jesus had this deep desire for peace. We just heard it from Luke. And he knew that's not what was going to be. Jesus has this deep desire, this deep love for his people. And he felt that anguish in that moment. And he wept as he looked over the city. And we know that they're talking about the city of Jerusalem. But it's not only about that particular city. It's more about the condition. It's about the people then and us today, our unwillingness to see. Our ability to turn a blind eye. To take the path of least resistance. And it's about our ignoring the things that make for peace and our blindness to the presence of God in our very midst. Because that's what happened, friends. They didn't understand who Jesus was. And while it is Jerusalem that Jesus is specifically speaking to, it's to us today because it's in a thousand broken places in our world thousand places of violence. It's, it's in war. I mean, look at what happened in Ukraine this week. A couple days ago, the train station, thousands of innocent women and children and grandparents bombed. It's war, and it's what's going on in our climate, and it's about the inequity. It's about the racism. It's about all the things in the world and in our lives that break relationship with God. It's about grief, and it's about loss. It's about our refusal to love our enemy and sometimes even love our neighbor. 
Jesus sees it all and he weeps. And ultimately, I think it's the burden of love. And I've been thinking about that a lot this week. On Wednesday night, during our um, midweek Lenten check-in, you know, we're doing Kate Bowler's book, Good Enough. And we talked about that very thing, the burden of love. And not only because we had that conversation, but in the last 10 days, that has been something that over and over again I've witnessed. I've sat in conversations. I've sat with people where I've experienced the pain, the grief, the suffering, the weeping because of the burden of love. My brother-in-law is in town because um, three weeks ago, his 75-year-old mom, who hadn't been feeling good, was diagnosed with a cancer that had metastasized already. And he and his sister, they left their homes and their jobs and their kids, and they sat with her for the last couple weeks of her life, and they fed her, and they changed her, and they loved her, and they told stories, and they held her hand as she entered heaven and they wept as they remembered this woman whose life was literally her husband and her kids. The burden of love. I sat with a young man and his fiance on Friday as they tried to wrap their heads around a sudden loss of just a beloved young mom around my age who had died suddenly in, this, in the stories that they shared and the love that she had for him and the way she set herself aside and the pain when we love so deeply and we, and we lose someone. That pain was in our tears as we heard and shared those stories. That's the burden of love. And earlier this week, I ran into an old friend that I hadn't seen in years, back from when my kids were in grade school and, high, and middle school. And in the, for the first few minutes, we're chatting and we're catching up, and all of a sudden, she starts weeping. I said, Tracy, what's going on? I wrapped my arms around her, and with tears in her eyes, she looked up and she said, my husband was diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's. She shared her fears and her tears and the uncertainty about what's to happen in the future. And it's the burden of love. It's the burden of love. And last night I was at a party for an old friend. It was a surprise birthday party. And um, she had one of her friends there that I had never met. And we ended up spending some time together at the end of the night. And she had suddenly lost her husband on New Year's Eve, and she talked about the deep love. He was the love of her life and the gift of that love. But the cost of it was that she was hurting so badly that she said every day she gets up and she just tries to put one foot in front of the other because that's the cost of love. And I think that's the kind of love we're looking at as we enter into this holy week. And if tears and weeping are Jesus' entry into Holy Week, maybe it should be ours because I think there's room to hold both. I think we can hold the hope and hold the joy and hold the celebration and we can also hold the tears. Because in the context of Luke's gospel, tears and weeping, they just seem to be a more authentic, a more meaningful, a more faithful way to step into Holy Week. And it is an, a more vulnerable entry, that's for sure. But haven't we been talking all along that that's what 
this whole Lenten thing should be about is honesty and vulnerability and really taking a look. Holy Week is about the last days of Jesus' earthly life and ministry. And I don't know about you guys, but when I think about that by all accounts, I think tears are in order. And a tearful entry into Holy Week means that we must name and see the reality of our lives and of our world. Because I think what we can't do is turn away from our sorrow, turn away from our fears, turn away from those things that cause our tears. This is our Holy Week work. And no one ever said it would be easy. Because those those tears reflect the truth that our hearts are broken. Just as Jesus' heart was broken when he looked out and saw the city. And I think all of us would agree that our hearts break over grief and sorrow and death. That sometimes it's over the pain of the world and human suffering. That sometimes our hearts are broken over just lost dreams, unfulfilled promises. Sometimes it's pierced just by the burdens and the heaviness of life. Because it's fear and change and uncertainty. Those things pierce our hearts. And whatever it is and however it happens, we've all had broken hearts. We've all wept. And maybe your tears aren't tears that are wet and run down your face. Maybe those are tears that you hold inside of you, but we have all experienced that pain. And I think the question of Holy Week is, do we have what it takes to take a look, to see, to name, and to weep? I think we can already agree that getting to Easter isn't easy. But that is the hope, isn't it? The hope is in Easter. And you know when you're about to do something, and you know that it's going to be hard, even though you can't really ever fully know how hard it's going to be. But you kind of brace yourself because you know that it's worth it. It's like having a baby. It's like, okay, going through all that labor and getting to the delivery and hearing, it's a boy, it's a girl. Like, that feels like that is so worth it. That you are willing to go through all that pain and even some suffering to get there feels a little bit like that to me because there's this joy and anticipation and hope and there's some fear and uncertainty and you hold those things together. We know what's coming, not quite sure that we want to step into it, but I think at the end of the day, we all want to pick up our cross and follow Jesus, even though we might not be so sure about the suffering part. C.S. Lewis, who has done just a lot, of grief, a lot of writing on grief and suffering because he lost the love of his life. And he says this about suffering. There's nothing we can do with suffering but to suffer it. I don't think we can understand the hope and the joy that the story bears unless we come to terms with the hard parts with the tragedy, with the suffering. Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem, and where are we? Are we in the crowds? 
cheering and singing and waving our palm branches? Or are we standing back, not sure we want to step in? We're afraid to take part. Can we do more than singing the songs? Can we look at our lives and our world and take an honest, honest look? And step into whatever that is. Because I think too often we move quickly from Palm Sunday to Easter. And the question today is, do you have what it takes to embrace the hard and holy work of Holy Week? And I think the challenge, and actually I think it's an invitation of Holy Week, of this Passion Week, is to actually stop avoiding the story and step into it. Because you have to do that to actually get from the triumphal entry to the celebration of Easter. And the call is to show up with everything you have and all that we have. And understand, too, that the, this story, it can't be understood fully. We can't explain it, but it's a story to be lived. So pause. Take a look at everything. Because that's exactly what Jesus did as he looked down into the city of Jerusalem. And together what we can do is acknowledge what the parade asks of us. And here's my questions for all of us. What do you see in this Palm Sunday? What do you recognize? Not only what do you see, but what don't you want to see? And most importantly, what breaks your heart? Because what we know from Jesus' tears, the love he has for us, the burden of that love is that Jesus is with us as we walk through the holy weeks of our own lives. Kate Bowler, who's the author of the book that we're reading for Lent, she says this, Jesus wept. God in human form cries with us and for us. But Jesus didn't just say, I feel your pain. He walked right into it, to a cross of humiliation and apparent defeat. Little did we know he was shouldering death itself, bearing it away through the Easter mysteries that lie ahead on this Lenten path. He knows. You know, whenever I prepare this stuff, and you know I do a lot of pastoral care in the community, so I always feel like I'm talking about hard and heavy stuff. You guys, Easter is coming. Easter is coming. And together, we can embrace the tears, share the tears, as we anticipate and love the resurrection. Will you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, we look to you. We are committed as followers of Jesus Christ, God. And we hear the call on our hearts to take a good look, not only at our own lives, but what's going on in the world, God. And Lord, we pray for the courage to really see, to really step into those places that might be hard, that might be scary, that might be uncertain. But God, we're so grateful 
that you've promised to do it with us. To not only feel our pain, to walk, but to walk with us in it. We're grateful, God, for the way you love us, the way you've given us each other to walk through life together. And our prayer is, is that this holy week might be just a little bit different. That it might be meaningful. That it might grow us and stretch us and move us into the people that you call us to be. We pray all this in your name. Every week we uh, take this time to remember the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist or communion, however you grew up calling it. And one of the reasons I love this weekly rhythm is it's a little bit of Holy Week with us the rest of the year. Because this is the moment where Jesus did a, a really, it was a traditional meal. It was a meal he did all the time. And he gathered with his friends in the upper room, and it was that heaviness that you were talking about. He knew what was coming. And I, I don't, I'm not sure he was ready for it. And yet he, he went through the motions of, of being with his, with his friends and, and reminding them that, you know, these are, the, these are the things, the marking moments of our faith. And it's a marking moment for us too, because this is what we do every week. And it's a way to remember Holy Week, to carry it with us, to sit in the hard and the heavy, and to also remember what happened at the end of Holy Week. So on that night, it was the night before he died, the night he was betrayed, Jesus gathered in that upper room with his friends. And he did what they do all the time, celebrating that feast together. He took bread and he gave thanks to his father and he broke it and then he handed it out to all of his friends and he said, this is my body and it's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then likewise, he took the cup and he poured wine into it and he said, this is my blood. It's been shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And whenever we eat the bread, whenever we drink the cup, we proclaim that Jesus is coming again. So if you have your elements, we've got our greeting team going around, handing them out. If you forgot, just slip up a hand. We'll get you one. Feel free to peel back that top layer and take the bread and, and hear these words. This is the body of Christ broken for you. And as you peel back that second layer, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Will you stand with me as together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his friends to say, saying, our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. that song the reality of our lives are hard sometimes aren't they like life hurts when we love deeply but what a gift like who would trade that it's such a gift so my hope and my prayer for this community is that during this holy week you might experience 
and high and wide and deep the love of God is for each and every one of you. Please hold out your hands for the benediction. No matter who you are or what you've done, no matter who you've loved or who you've lost, no matter the places you've gone or the places you've stayed, you always have a place at the table because you are a beloved child of God and beloved you belong. Hey, you guys, come Friday night, 9 p.m. Go in peace.